0: Welcome to another episode of Tech Sales Craft. Our mission is simple. We want to bring exclusive insights from some of the most influential people in the technology sales scene. We want this podcast to become your weekly go-to for your tech sales inspiration. And if this is the first time you're listening, please subscribe to keep up to date with the latest releases.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tech Sales Craft. And today, I'm delighted to be joined with the co-founder and CEO of Candis, uh, Mr. Christian Retosek. Uh, welcome. Uh, really pleased that you're joining us because you are a um, a, a second time uh, founder. Um, but before we dive into the the detail of the podcast, where I want to really understand your processes and um, and sales, if you could just give the audience a background of of who you are and uh, and who you and what your organisation is all about. Yeah. Thanks, James. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm
0: Christian. I'm the co-founder CEO of Candice. We automate accounting processes for SMEs. A little bit of background on me. So I'm 38 years old right now. I am an entrepreneur like since years. So yeah. right after university, I founded my first company, then sold it in 2015. And then... At this time, I always wondered why there was so much automation in sales, so much automation in marketing, but when it comes to bookkeeping processes, or financial processes, accounting processes, there was like not that much automation, and people are trapped in what we are call what we are calling it today a triangle of disaster: Excel, email, and signature folders, right? Yeah. So very, very manual processes, and yeah, we wanted to change that, and then I, I approached my. Now co-founder Christopher, who was a colleague of mine in university, uh, we studied together. And after university, also built his own company and recruiting, nice. said he had the same problems. Yeah. And that was the idea of Candice was born in our former companies. Nice. And what we do at Candice, we automate like accounting processes, invoice management processes for companies between 50 to 500 employees, so SMEs. Candice automatically collects invoices, right? Captures data from invoices, extracts the data, then um, and then prepares workflows for finance departments. For example, yeah. invoice approval, payment processes, bookkeeping processes, accounting processes, and the the result is that Candice reduces time processing times of approving invoices, booking invoices,
1: and finance departments get 80% more efficient. Nice, nice, which is an important part of the business. Um, Now, one of the really important reasons why I wanted you on, Christian, is that you guys have hit a a pretty big milestone for a startup growth organization, is that you guys have reached Series B funding. Um, So, obviously, huge congratulations to you on that. Only 20% of businesses that receive Series A funding go on to reach Series so you're in that small proportion of, uh, of business that don't so that's a fantastic achievement mm-hmm. but, but what i wanted to do is dive down into um what you did in the early stages from a lot of people that i speak to it's that early stage um work that goes in which enables you to scale up and um, and build um and just work through your journey so you, you you briefly described there of exactly why you started the business what did you do in those first um few months to sort of like get yourself going and then working that through into when did you decide to start selling the product and who was responsible for selling and and how did you build the process so if we could start with how it all started what the first few months were like and what your role was yeah definitely so the original start
0: of candace after we had this idea was it happened to be that two weeks after that idea was a hackathon the biggest wow. German hackathon at this time, um, sponsored by Commerzbank, KPMG, and also think Excel partners. We won this. So it was completely wow. out of a sudden. We didn't expect yeah. that. But by by doing that, by winning that whole thing, we got some PR. And out of that PR, like some companies approached us and said, okay, we want to use Candice because it solves a problem for us. We are yeah. we also trapped in this triangle of disaster. Yeah, and so we realized okay, there's really a business opportunity that not just we had in our companies, but also other companies have. Yeah. And what we did then is a lot of research, right? So what are the exact problems that companies had? We yeah, we did studies with users, we had really deep conversations with finance people. And in the first months, it was all about product development, right? Yeah. So finding out what kind of product we need what kind of solution we need to design for that problem that companies have and also to find out what kind of price we could and um, we could take for this that was the first months and it took us yeah quite long then roughly a year because we didn't raise funding at this time so we yeah. financed that all over our own uh, roughly a year to to come up with the First product, first version of the product that customers were,
1: yeah, wanted to pay, were willing to pay for. Um, so, an interesting bit to, to start on um, here. You found, or, or probably through your the first company that you had um, from being an entrepreneur, you suddenly realised that there was something missing in the marketplace for all the accounting, these back office piece. So. Would you account some of the success that you've had based on the fact that you found something where something was needed, not just trying to create something that you think people might want? Because a lot of founders fall into that gap where they come up with an idea and think this will be brilliant and then try and get people to, to want to buy it. You've seen where you struggled on something and thought this needs to be fixed I can build something that fixes it. Yeah, definitely. I think well because we
0: had this this experience in our former companies, yeah. and also the knowledge of how to fix that because we are all quite technical, yeah. and we and we knew that technology is now ripe to to solve those problems. I think that is the reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and it took twelve months to come up with the first product that you were happy to take to somebody and 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 basically show and say, would you buy this? Right, obviously in, in steps, right? So
0: we came up with an MVP version. The yep. first MVP was, was designed within eight weeks or so. And then it was improved until really companies were happy to
1: pay Money. some euros for that. Yeah. Um, so at, at what point did you decide, right, we're in a good place, we've got the product that we think does the job. And we're talking to people where you think right now we need to build that sales process. How old was the business and who was responsible for starting to look at that process? Yeah. So the good thing is that
0: we have always been strong in sales, right? Mm-hmm. So we, the thing is we, we designed the product and we developed the first MVP. Yeah. And honestly, between you and me and between yeah. the listeners here, the audience, <laughs> we, we also oversold the product. At yeah. the very, very first time, right? So we we have we have been strong at sales, yeah, because we also were on the, on the business university and we were not the coders uh, yeah. ourselves. So we have a strong sales DNA in our company, and as soon as the first companies were really looking and, and saying, "Okay, now we pay money for that," and then we went out to try to find other companies. Yeah. Um, well, to, to also pay money for that. So I think that was the, the point. So after, well, after a year when really companies said, okay, we are paying now, then we went out finding new customers.
1: So um, you're not a developer or coder in a sense yourself. Is your co-founder, are they a technical developer? or? Is no, that-
0: actually, we, we are both both more on the business side. Yeah. Um but our third so we 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 started the company with a third founder. Yeah. who was then taking over
1: as the the technical lead. How important do you see that as also helping towards your success having founders who aren't the technical kind of geek as it were because that seems to be where I've seen Um, a lot of founders where they're so tied up in the development of the product every day that they don't get to come up and actually be looking at um, sales and um, an opportunity because at at the end of the day, there's no point having a really great product if no one sees it and and no one can say where it is. So having the majority of the the founding team non-technical, do you think that gave you a big advantage uh, in the early days? Yes, in our case yes because especially because we had the
0: B2B SaaS, yeah. right? And our investors they invested because we have a, such a strong sales DNA. Yeah. Um, yes, we have we are we were strong on product, we we were we knew what we do in product, right with the yeah. research. But what is often missing in especially early stage B2B SaaS companies is sales. Yes.
1: Sales side. Hundred um, percent. So, um, so how did how did you start your sales process? Where did where did you go? And and at what point would you decide that um, you needed to hire salespeople? Because I'm guessing if you have got two founders that are capable, it's it wasn't really something that you needed to um, to look at. So, there's a couple of questions that I'd like you to answer. One is when did you decide that you needed to hire? And If you were advising a technical founder, when would you advise them to hire a salesperson? Because I'm guessing that's going to be different to when you needed to. Uh, The second question first. Yeah. I
0: would hire, so my advice to a technical founder is to hire a sales founder right from the start. Yeah. Really partner partner with them because it is is crucial to go out right from the start and do sales and also see how the product is perceived in the market. Yeah. And if you can actually also sell the product, yeah, that, that is my first advice. And the second one: when when did we start to design this sales process? So in the very beginning, we also it wasn't just trial and error. So we had we had a plan how to do yeah. that. We um, a typical sales funnel, yeah. And we got in and we built our sales team also quite from the start. So the very first days we have been on our own doing sales yeah. on our own, but then. After a couple of weeks, we got in some salesperson, salespeople, wow. yep. but that we coached to do yep. the sales for us and with us, right? So people who were acquiring leads, doing outbound
1: sales, and yeah. so so was that from a few weeks of the launch of the business? You you hired those people from the launch? Yes, when when we uh, from no
0: after basically after we received funding, funding. so. Okay. Yeah, that was after after this year when we really started to sell the business. Then we we did it
1: first on our own, but then after a couple of weeks, we hired salespeople. And when you say you hired um, salespeople, what we are you talking SDRs, BDRs, or actual sales executives? Both. So we hired BDRs, and with
0: BDRs, we we call people that really do the out the market research, do the outreach, then and just try to attract leads. Plus, we hired. AEs, so account executives that then could close the deals because our sales process is also very very manual so yeah. people who want to use candace they need to talk to a sales rep yeah in order to um, yeah, figure out what they really need and how candace can help them it's yeah. not self-serve at the moment and we hired both
1: positions okay and so you you as soon as the funding arrived, you immediately went out to to hire these um, these salespeople. Um, now that's interesting. What made you decide to go and do this? Some people would do it in stages and go, "I'll, I'll get the SDRs and I'll see if I can generate the leads, and um, we'll manage that." Um, some people will just go and get an A. And see what traction that they can get. You seem to have put a, a a sort of like a team together there on that without looking at getting to certain revenue points or, or strike points. So what was your what was your thinking behind that? Yeah, the thinking was like, okay, we 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 wanted to build a, a
0: great process right from the start. And because we expected strong growth at the very beginning, yeah. right? And then we said, okay, we cannot handle we cannot handle all the leads. If, if, if we get in the leads, we cannot handle that by our own, um, just as founders. So we, we really tried, because we expected strong growth, yeah. we tried to handle both. But we were two sales founders, right? So one took care of the BDRs and BDR development, and the other one, so me, me took
1: yeah. care of the account executives. Okay. Um, and what sort of money did you get at that kind of seed funding round? Because... A lot of founders, particularly when they're not coming from the sales side of things, they want to take that money and they want to go and buy more of the best developers and more products people. Did you have enough to do both? Or did you realize at this point that it was critical to get the sales team going? Yeah. So we
0: reached roughly a million or so at this time. And at that time, it was it was much for a seat round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were really trying to find good um, salespeople because we our, our rational was like our product was good enough to well it's it served its purpose and now we needed to to sell the product um, and really go out in the market to
1: prove that we can we can sell. And how long did it take this um, this team to sort of like come together and uh, and per like you like you wanted it to? Yeah, it took
0: us roughly. It, it took us actually quite long because also our product is, is a little bit more complex than other products because it's, had to, it's, it's dealing with accounting. We are dealing with accounting and financial yeah. tasks. So it took us in the very beginning, roughly six months. But now if we onboard a salesperson right now, so four years after that, yeah. it takes us roughly two to three months to come up to, to speed. That's good. But um, like in the early days, it wasn't that.
1: What what key differences are you doing now um, that enables these guys to get up to, to speed quickly that other founders could learn to to get because that that's quite a critical uh, ramp up phase is is important particularly when you've got a burn rate of of cash um, yeah. and um, look, a million uh, a million pounds is 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 a lot of money but it goes very quickly isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right yeah
0: I think it's just the secret is that we made our learnings right and our experience in the last years and we we know exactly okay what works and what doesn't work and we have battle cards we know how we can close customers so it's basically we made experience that we know we figured out um how we can close deals yeah yeah Yeah. and And that is something from a from a product perspective so how how does our product fit in the process of a customer because that was i think that was our biggest issue At the very beginning, because to make sales and to make account executives understand our product and then see how our product can help them, that was the crucial part that we needed to, to solve. And the other one we are solving by sales training. So we have
1: sales training with, with coaches, but also with our um, internal head of sales. That's interesting. So did you, did you bring people in from outside to, to coach your guys in how to sell? Yes. Yes. Um, um, now that's critical. What made you decide to do that? And um, what advice would you give to other founders who do not do that and 90% do not do that? Um, uh, what made you decide to do it and what key outcomes did you get off the back of it? Yeah, our approach is to really get the best people in, right? And,
0: and learn from the best. And we also knew that we don't know everything. Yeah, And we knew some good sales coaches here in Germany who are really who brought us the principles of objection handling and how we can really get a, a deal done. So yeah. basically because of our network, and we knew people. Did you did you
1: do that in your first business as well? No. 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 Um <laughs> uh, so um so that's a key learn from first time out that you realized how important that was. And what differences did you see from these salespeople in, in a difference to the, the salespeople in your, in your first business? Yeah, one of the learnings was that in my
0: first business, we hired not the best people, right? But people that we could afford or that we, so, so we really skimmed on paying in my first business. I was really, I didn't want to spend that yeah. big paycheck yeah, to, to somebody and that is the learning that I had right so we now we hire people that are really yeah the best great people and they cost us a hell of a lot of money right yeah. but they were really worth each cent so so you, my learning was that I have hire cheap you hire twice right yeah
1: so so in real um kind of layman terms to to, to first-time founders right now where Cost is obviously really important to them and where they seem to hold back on costs is on the sales team. What did you learn there and why, why are you now willing to pay what it takes to get the best people through the door? What difference is that going to make to you to get to series B um, than it did in your first company? Yeah, I, th- I think
0: it's really in Series B, we could show traction and we could show that we can actually sell the product, that we not only have product market fit and the product is good, well used, but not um, sold. But we can really now show or we really showed that we can, yeah, we can sell the product. And the difference is that those people, yeah, they could just
1: sell. It's, it's an interesting part. Um, so you've got this sales team um, up and running. Where are we in the business now? We're we about two years in. Roughly, yeah. So what was the, what was the, the next phase of the, uh, of the plan for the business? I guess you're now running to go for Series A. Um, what strategies do you have in place to do that? What milestones were you setting yourself? And how did you achieve them? What, what we had, so we hired we hired people right after the funding. We brought somebody in
0: who, because up until that round, we were, sales was also founder led. Yeah. Right? So um, we basically led the sales team and the marketing team. Yeah. And after that round it changed and we hired a head of head of sales. Yeah, Um who now is responsible for the sales team. And then the next round we we would then do really hire somebody who can take over the sales and marketing as a whole as a, as a CEO. Um
1: so um as soon as you had this seed funding, you went out and you brought in a head of sales. Or is it Series A that you did that? Oh, sorry. sorry. That, that was, that was a Series A. Series A. After series a. Um, so um, at what point did you reach Series A? So what was your annual recurring revenue when you reached Series A and how long into the business were you? Series A was roughly about a
0: million euro ARR. Yep. And, or a little bit less than, than a million euro ARR. And that was in 2018.
1: 18 so only about two years three years in yeah two two years in two years in so that's um that's not bad going was that something that you planned from the the get-go that um at three years in you were wanting the uh, the series a funding or does it just materialize as you go along i think it materialized when when we went as, as we went along yeah yeah um And once you were at Series A, having a sales leader in place that meant that sales wasn't founder-led, majority really, I'm sure you were involved to a certain degree, how much of a platform did that give you to kick on to Series B? Because you're hitting the point now where um, a lot of businesses fail um, and a lot of people, particularly founders like yourself who've been there and done it before, where they talk about Sales process and sales people being the crucial link between A and B. Um, was it by luck that you'd had the head of sales in there, or you knew that you needed all this team in there and running sufficiently themselves without a founder before you reached Series A?
0: No, it was. So we, we had a strong. We hired a strong salesperson right yeah. um, during during our seed round, and that salesperson then turned the head of sales uh, oh. during during our Series A. And I think what we what we knew, what we needed to prove is that that we can really scale the business and we can really scale distribution because what investors wanted to see is that we need to do the transition from founder sales to to somebody else yeah. doing that. Um, and that is something that we wanted to prove. Yeah. so we knew that we need to prove that, and we we took this person into
1: this role. How critical do you think it is to um, a tech company to have a head of sales in place prior to series A funding? Or do you think it doesn't matter? Honestly,
0: I think it doesn't really matter. You should definitely have one in place prior series B. Yeah. Okay. Before series A, it could be
1: it could also be founder sales.
0: Yeah. Founder led sales, right? Okay,
1: so at what point after, so do you think it can be found to let um, sales from Series A all the way up to Series B? Yes, in, in some, maybe in some,
0: to some degrees, yes. Yeah. There, there might be cases where it could be the case, right? If you show really strong traction and and the business grows, I think it is possible. So then right. with, the fun, with the Series B funding, you can... Well, yeah. um, hire somebody who takes over but in most cases i would really my advice would be to get after series a between yeah. somewhere between series a and series b get somebody in who takes
1: over sales interesting and uh, so what does life feel like everything from from the from the get-go up to um, up to series a you are building the product it's all exciting you're hiring great people around you it's good um you get some seed funding in um, people start to buy your product, everything's good. Then you hit Series A um, and it's brilliant and it's it's amazing. You realize and then the next day you're like, whoa, there's a lot of work to do now. <laughs> Does the mood change? How do you keep the culture where it is when you suddenly realize, right, actually um, things get serious after Series A? Yeah. So that's a very, very difficult
0: phase, right? Until Series A, how big is the company up to... 20 people or so, 25 people. And, you know, you are all friends. It's a big family. So, but right after Series A, that has to change, right? Because you cannot influence everything. I remember myself before Series A, I was also doing everything right from, from sales to over product marketing, people relations, hiring. I was involved in everything. And right after Series A, once the company gets bigger, you just cannot do that anymore, and so you have to give away your Legos, right? You have to get people in place who who correspond to your values, who have your your values to also live your culture that you that you want to establish in the company. But yeah, you cannot manage everything on all, on your own. People who can do that.
1: And. Once the, once the Series A arrives, you, you're, you're obviously then going to go through this this scaling piece. And one of the things through a lot of the sales leaders that I talk to, and, and also founders in particularly, they get hiring of salespeople wrong quite often. How often have you got it wrong? And what have you learned over the time uh, on how to get hiring of, of salespeople right? That's... <laughs>
0: That's a that, that's, that's fun, an yeah. interesting topic because salespeople, they are salespeople, right? And they can sell yeah. you know, themselves. And, and and really you think that is the best person you can hire because he or she can just sell him or herself. Yeah. So we we got it wrong at the very beginning quite often, right? And until we knew yeah, what kind of questions we need to, to ask and until we have designed our, our process. But yeah. still, the best process can just give you like 70% right results. And you need to calculate, or we calculate a churn of salespeople yeah. of 30% within the um within the first three months, because 30% won't make it until three months to get on the quota. Yeah. Because it, it can have several reasons, right? It also can be that. They might be great salespeople but they just cannot sell in our case an accounting product and that um, is something you don't know before hiring
1: um and is there any way that you've looked at now where you can assess that um to make sure that you, you get people in or you feel that's just something you've got to live with that's i think
0: that that's something we we yeah we got to live to live with
1: um now You mentioned that, um, from a hiring standpoint, from from what you did in your past life, that you actually decided that you wanted to go for, let's say, the A players or the the top one percent of salespeople. How did you attract and engage with those people to get them interested in a startup that nobody's ever heard of? So, in the very the very beginning, we what we had
0: what was what what was a big asset was we had great investors yeah we had flyventures .9 capital then we had lightspeed so we had really really great investors in germany that where people said wow okay yeah so so this was a, this was an asset first thing and the second thing was also we had a great culture established right from the very start right our culture is yes we can this um that is yes stands for positive thinking persistence we for collaboration humanity yep. can sense for learning and improving and this stands for focus and ownership and that is something that people realized out there right and yes. and as soon as we got the first like great people in they are resp- or they created a great culture in their teams in the sales team, right? And this great sales culture attracted other great people.
1: With, with that though, because it is um, particularly in 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 Germany where you're hiring these people, it's not easy. Because we 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 work with with many um, German organisations and looking to build sales um, teams in Germany, and <laughs> um, local people don't tend to want to work for startup. German companies, that they, they have much more of an interest in American firms, larger businesses that might be looking to start in, in Europe. Would you think the, the the investors that you had helped cement that um, it was a good idea to uh, to join a German startup? Yeah, I think that is... <laughs> I think yes,
0: people w- might want to work for American companies, but on the other side, what we also hear in interviews is that that they don't want to work in American companies because of this higher and fire culture, right? Yes. yes. Um, but w- what we could, what we also offer them is really um, quite high commissions, right? Because we we're dealing with high contract values, so commissions and also virtual stock options, no. and that is something that was. Yeah, if you offer that, I think then you are in a good position to try hire salespeople.
1: So once you hit Series A, um, and you went to, so so the big part around Series A is about scaling your manpower of of people. Um, what was your plan then uh, on hiring for the the sales team, and how well did you execute it? In
0: the in the very beginning, it was very hard yeah so we we had we, we made our excel our spreadsheets then we we knew exactly how the quotas of the people right how much could one sales rep sell and so we we scaled up our excel spreadsheet then said okay we need x amount of bdrs y amount of aes and then finding them was absolutely hard how did you try what were your avenues to to attract these people Yeah. So first of all, it was direct outreach via LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. German version of that Xing thing. Yeah, we were working with recruiters, but it was always easier for us, honestly, to attract tech people. Yeah, rather than salespeople. Yeah, but that changed. um, Yeah, that changed after Series A when when Lightspeed joined and when we hired the first internal recruiter. We were. Yep. We are also working with external recruiters, but have one internal recruiter who designed all the processes. Yeah. And yeah, that changed now. So now we don't have. I wouldn't
1: say any problem, but we don't have that many problems in hiring salespeople anymore. So how long down the line before you decided that you needed to hire an in-house talent person to help um, attract these uh these a players?
0: Yeah, it was. That was a, a, also a mistake from our side. So we waited right before Series B. So around Series B, we hired an internal person, and that was a mistake. Why we should hire her way earlier? Why? What, what do you think would have made the difference if you'd done it earlier? Yeah, what What we didn't know was the importance of process and really how to desire, uh, how to um, design a great hiring process. Yeah, that is something that she did really really well. so first interviews then second stage interviews and 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 the whole interview process that is something that we didn't know before
1: yeah the 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 candidate engagement process is really critical particularly in today's market where it's such a candidate short market interestingly though that you've talked about a an in-house talent person um you've talked about process you haven't talked about cost-saving against recruiters. Now, is that because that wasn't what you hired the person for? Um, you're hiring for the process and you you'd still need the recruiters um, in there? Uh, because I see a lot of people thinking, right, I'm going to hire an, in, a, an in-house talent person and suddenly they're going to solve all the problems of, of recruiting and stop using recruiters and they can't physically do everything and it, and it doesn't work. Yeah, so saving costs wasn't our main
0: motivation, right? It was basically a side effect. So our main motivation was really we needed somebody who can design a great recruiting process, who has done it before and really can get us great candidates. in. And we're still working with recruiters, right? Because they have the access to candidates and they can fill our funnel, but we are not working with a lot of recruiters, we have some dedicated recruiters that we are working with. So that would also be my advice, right? Hire one person very, very early on who can help you getting
1: people in and then also work with some dedicated recruiters. Makes sense. Um, So um, when you got to Series B, how big was your um, sales team? And where were you at um, annual recurring revenue wise? The, the sales team around Series B was about 12 people.
0: 12 people. All based in and
1: Germany?
0: All based in Germany, yeah. All based in Berlin. Nice. Yeah, and revenue-wise, I, I can't disclose that because we're not talking about revenues. No worries. But it, is, uh, it was
1: more than 5 million AR. Okay. And what made you um, decide that you were ready to go uh, for Series uh, B? Was it the investors at Series A that were like, look, now we're at this point, we should be looking to, to move on? Or was it the, the founders realizing that the opportunity now to uh, really grow had arrived? Yeah, it is the we,
0: we have seen that we had really product market fit, that we had larger companies that bought us. And we knew that when we were just scaling now um, marketing budgets and sales yeah. budgets, we could really grow the company. Yeah. So we, we knew that we have reached a point where it now comes just to distribution. Um, and when did
1: Series B arrive for you?
0: It was 2020, um, uh, July 2020.
1: Which was a, obviously a difficult time for, uh, for a lot of people and to, uh, to, to, to take on that funding. As, uh, I guess at that point, the spreadsheet comes back out and you start adding people in. Um, and, and what sort of numbers were you looking to, to build the sales team to? <laughs> right. But but the thing is, it was an
0: actually a, a crazy time, right? Because right after Corona hit us, uh, so hit hit uh, Germany, it was in early March. I went out fundraising. Yeah. But what was good is like it lasted the really. It, it lasted until April. Yeah. And then people realized, okay, uh, the digital. Business models like uh, they are growing, and also ours did, right? So yeah. people were digitizing their financial departments, and now really needed to. We're looking for a software, and that is also what investors then realized that we actually profit from the from the crisis. So yes, that that is that was a time when we said, okay, ra- right now we also need to scale our sales team.
1: Yeah. So was it daunting thinking? Right, we've managed to secure this funding um we now need to go out and try hire people without probably i I don't know what the rules were in germany for you at that point could you you're you're gonna have to hire salespeople without ever meeting them
0: yes yes that that was possible yeah i mean Uh, we also raised our funding without meeting our investors right (laughs) so and we hired a lot of people without ever meeting them and it's interesting right now because right now after a year in lockdown or so people are we are coming back to the offices, and right now I'm meeting people that has that have made a yeah. lot of revenue for our company.
1: Right now, meeting them the first time in person. Time. Um, so, um, an interesting um, note to take on that. Um, are you a kind of working as a fully remote um, business, or are you asking people to come into the office once or twice a week? Yeah, we we're we not fully remote, so
0: we have one headquarters here in Berlin. And we say you can do like two to three days a week in the home office and then two to three days um, in the office. And de- but it depends from team to team. So some teams have their uh, weekly meetings on Mondays, some on Tuesdays. So we yeah. regard our office as just a place yeah, to meet, greet, yeah. talk, and really meet, meet your colleagues. Um, but,
1: but you have it as that um, you need to attend the office at least twice a week. Yes. Um, so does that mean that you you can only hire people within the Berlin area or yeah, actually, yes, we have some exceptions, so we
0: also hire some people that are or we have some people that are fully remote
1: mm-hmm. and they obviously they, they don't need to come in yeah. to the office and and are they on the on the technical side or on the sales side they are. On most, so 90% on the technical side. Yep. Okay. And on the sales side, I think we have one or two individual, individual contributors. Okay. Um, But do you think you definitely prefer your salespeople close together so you can come together and, and, and meet and have conversations? Yeah, that's the goal, right? Um, To really have them together, also celebrate successes together. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Um, So um, how much hiring have you done over the last uh, 12 months and how did you make it uh, a success? Yeah. So we hired roughly in total
0: 50 people or so over the last 12 months, and we will hire roughly a hundred over the next 12 months. And I think it all came down to, we we are an attractive employer in Berlin, but also in Germany. So people really move from other cities in Germany to Berlin to work with us. Yeah. I think it's because we, invested a lot in our company culture so we really built our hr department after series b yeah we have great employer branding we have perks for employees we we, we invest a lot in our culture right yeah. and that is something that plus in combination with a great hiring process yeah. that really made hiring a success and one of our
1: strengths um how would you describe your culture then it's sometimes it's really hard to do isn't it but how if you could describe the, the culture what would you say in the very beginning we,
0: we really um, put like some of our values on the wall, right like transparency and, and so on, collaboration, and it had zero effect yeah right so then we we went around with a camera asking people what describes our culture and it was it was a little bit between series A and series B, what describes our culture and a lot of people, a lot of employees says our culture. Is yes we can this, yeah, right? and that is where we okay. <laughs> that's interesting, right? Because we didn't come up with that. They yeah. are coming up with it. But then we ask, okay, what stands behind that? Yeah, what be, behind each word and and be, behind yes is this positive thinking, persistence. We really hire positive people. We as collaboration, humanity, we hire people that are really, that want to work in a team and want to help out each other. Can is for learning and development, uh, learning and improving. And we really hire people that are eager to learn, except that they are not knowing everything. And this stands for focus and ownership. So we hire people that can really focus and own things, and just not hide behind uh, behind a task. And that is something Yeah, around that. We have created, I would say, a
1: great culture, a great culture here. Culture. People love to work with us. Do, do you see there's a, a, a kind of separate culture between tech and sales?
0: <laughs> Two years ago, I would have answered this question with yes. Right now, I would say no, because what we managed to do is really bring the teams together, also yeah. working in cross-functional teams right so we really made the teams collaborate and also yeah. understand tech why we are selling the way we are selling and also we have we have feedback loops from sales directly to tech and product so i think the culture is not as different as it was two years ago but obviously i would say that salespeople are in general more aggressive yeah. Then tech people because in tech there's more focus on security and stability, yeah. And in sales, it's all about
1: like yeah, yeah um, out and sell. um So look um, from the outside looking in, um, you guys look like you've created a uh, not only a great product that people need but a, a great organization to work with. Uh, a lot of founders will talk. Look, there's there's three major challenges that you that you face um, acquiring clients. Who are going to buy the uh, the, the technology from you? Um, getting the right investors um, and the right terms with those investors, and then talent. Um, so you're now going on your biggest hiring um, spree um, over the next twelve months. How are you setting yourself up to um, to succeed on this part? Because I guess it's one of those where you need to hit that, but you can't make mistakes, um, uh, particularly at that kind of level of of hire. And how are you making sure that you stay on point for it? Yeah. So
0: with the current clients, we we don't have a problem. We have the right investors on board, right? We can yeah we can talk to anybody that we want to talk to. Talent, we will manage by really we have a great process now. We yeah. will scale the internal recruitment team. So we nice. will hire more people. So we have one head of people operations. Yeah. And then we have a head of recruitment for um, for the GTM go-to-market part and then a head of recruitment for the technical part, the yeah. r and part. And they, we will scale those teams yeah. to really have more people in there. And then we will work with, with the recruiters that we have made really good yeah, experience with yeah. and to have a good
1: relationship with um, to build it. So, um, now you're at series B, your function has gone from, um, putting your hand in everywhere possible, um, to building out the A side of the, uh, the sales. What's, what's your primary, um, function, um, right now? Yeah. So it's, it's basically,
0: three things it's really doing the company strategy right doing investor relations so getting money in and being able to pay the people yeah and the third one is really um hiring the people yeah so those really and and, and organizational development so what kind of people we need how do we organize the um uh, the organization
1: in order that that people succeed and um, I know I've kept you talking for a long time, but what's the roadmap? What, what's the plans over the next couple of years? Where do you want to take this this business to? Yeah, right now we are the leading software
0: for automated financial workflows in Germany. We have several things to do on our roadmap in order to grow more upmarket, to really serve larger companies. And then the next step next year for us is really to go international. So really to become the
1: player for automated financial processes in Germany. Europe yeah makes sense um, so if you um had a room full of um first-time founders at um seed level what bits of advice would you give them now looking back over the two businesses that you've grown one that you've grown to to sell successfully and one that you've taken to um series b funding in a pretty strong and healthy um way um, what advice would you be giving to those people that you've learned along the way that you would implement if you were to start again tomorrow? Yeah. So,
0: assuming that you that you have a business model right that works and you have some product market fit, the really really difference that 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 really arises is people right. So you should invest in people, people, people right, and never skimp on paying them. Hire great people. They cost you a lot of money and also a large portion of your investment round of your funding round. Right. But save this money to being able to get in great people. They really, really
1: make a difference. Excellent. Perfect. Um, Christian, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for taking um, time out to, to share your uh, journey. Um, I think it's going to be, it's already been obviously a massive success, but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to, uh, to achieve everything you're setting out with these guys. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, James.
0: If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review and subscribe. We want you to get involved with Tech Sales Craft and become part of our growing community. Thanks for joining us.